0: Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Ulrich Burcell Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. All right, here solo. we go, solo episode.
1: Solo time. We're trying oh, to, man.
0: so everyone knows, we're trying to do these every fourth the fourth episode. So four, like three four guests, three. one solo, three guests, one solo. We'll try to keep a little bit more of a rhythm of these things so right. we can talk about what's going on in our lives and then also maybe comment on some of the episodes that we've just recorded. Yeah. Do uh, you have anything to comment on? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I did want to talk a little bit about what you said at the end of the Chris Ford interview, but I want to wait until after I've heard what's going on in your life, because you told me that you're directing more, which I'm super psyched to hear. Like, what's going on?
1: Right. Yeah, so I, I think I've mentioned um, that I've been working with this company, uh, Black Prime or BLK Prime. Oh, yeah, uh-huh, that uh, you did the Hayward. sitcom for. Yeah, so I directed two episodes of a sitcom that I'm, like, uh, finishing up today and tomorrow, so I sh- they should both be completely done tomorrow and probably up on their site Wednesday. They like to move fast. Um, so by the time this
0: comes out, it should be up.
1: Yeah, they'll they should be up. I mean, you have to pay to watch them. Um, there'll probably be a trailer that you could watch uh, for free, but if you want to watch the whole episode, um, you'll have to sign up. Um, I believe it's five dollars a month. Um, and like forty bucks for the year. So it's like real, way cheaper than most of these things. But again, it's just a small. They're growing, you know um but like all my short films are on there a bunch of other short films are on there they have a bunch of movies a bunch of comedy specials um bunch of shows um a bunch of movies they they're really trying to um really be a place where independent filmmakers who didn't get you know the right deal they wanted from other uh, platforms uh, can go and have their their films be uh, be shown and be seen you know uh, so they're, they're really reaching out to people they're sharing in profits they're doing profit sharing with everybody nice. so it's not like you get 15 cents per view I think they they something something about the way they're doing it they're giving like double the amount that like Amazon gives or something they're like trying to you know give away a lot more to filmmakers that's great um, but I think that the deals change based on, like, if you have a celebrity in your movie of any kind, they really want celebrities so um, or famous people of any kind. So if you have a famous person, I think you get a way better deal than if you don't. So anybody who has a movie with a famous person who didn't get the deal they wanted and are holding on to it, uh, yeah, BLK might be the place to uh, get it out there.
0: And I only asked this because of their name. Is it supposed to be like black-centric movies yeah. that they're looking well, for? well,
1: not just black, but like, um, you know, uh, culturally, culturally diverse. Okay. So they have like, um, you know, an, an Indian American show on there. Uh, they have, you know, just shows featuring all different ethnicities and movies featuring all different ethnicities. So they're basically being, trying to be the network that's going to show things that The other networks and studios don't show and tell stories that other networks and studios don't tell, you know, so they're really going after the culturally diverse, um, you know, like content and audience, too. And just like, you know, giving people who don't get to see, you know, movies about uh, people like them uh, a chance to see more content featuring so be like people like them yeah. movies
0: like that, like Sayla made her movie might be a oh, good yeah. candidate or like exactly get out or right. sorry to bother you or Atlanta right. might be like, yeah, kind of, the yeah, idea.
1: exactly. Basically. Um, you know, and, and it's fun cause like, you know, some of my content, um, features diverse casts and stuff too so you know they like brother a lot you know big fan of brother and um we may i don't want to jinx it but but we might (laughs) even do brother as a series at blk so oh my gosh that would be really cool um putting together a proposal and and budgets now
0: nice Um, yeah you've been talking about that as a series
1: yeah so we i mean we 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 put together a whole pitch for it uh that uh, did at a um a company in L.A. in the beginning of the year, and uh, listener Alex Kellerman, um, you know he he wrote the scripts for the series version and um, helped me with the outline and the and the series bible and all that stuff. So we had this package sitting there. So then I just you know retooled it for for Black Prime and sent it to them, and they were like, oh yeah, this is awesome, and we love the short, so let's do
0: this. You know, um, can we just stop for just a second? I sure. just want to like. So this whole thing started because you edited a trailer for them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like this is like, this is kind of like a cool story. So you edited a trailer. You, you're in the, in the building and you just kind of like tell them, Hey, I'm also a director. If you guys need help directing stuff, (laughs) like I can help. And so you're like kind of in the right place at the right time with the right skills. And that's how this whole thing kind of all the talks start happening.
1: Yeah, so, like, when I first got in there, I was, uh, you know, editing 15 Instagram trailers for a show that they, uh, they had just shot, you know, basically. So, they had just finished shooting it, and then they were like, hey... We want these Instagram trailers like ASAP, you know, so I do 15 of them. I'm in the office, like I see their board with like six shows on the board and like they have like, you know, number of scripts completed, number of episodes completed, number of episodes, you know, planning to be shot, number of episodes released, all those things. They have like six shows on this little whiteboard. And I'm like, dang, oh my gosh, all these shows. And I'm like, what is this documentary or whatever? And they're like, oh, all narrative except one. One's a reality show, but the rest are all narrative shows. So I'm like, oh my God. And you guys are shooting these all here in the Bay Area? Like, that's insane. And then of course I asked who directs them all. And then it was the executive producer who did all the directing. And then they didn't really like, you know, they didn't really give me any real information about that. And I was like, hey man, if you need help with anything at all, I'm down. Like I I want all I want to do is direct. So if there's any directing opportunities later on, let me know. Let me know. And I just like saying that all the time while I'm in there. <laughs> um, and then I, so I did those first 15 and then I didn't get to meet the executive producer because he was really busy and like out of town for the whole time I was there. And then um, I, I got brought back to uh, edit a uh, another trailer because... Um, they they guess they weren't quite happy with the Instagram trailers. It wasn't exactly what they were looking for. Um, so then I did another trailer that was like a uh, sort of more like a big budget movie trailer type sort of thing, like a, right. like a minute and a half long deal. And so th- for that project, the executive producer was there. And so we got to work together and that was really great. And then, you know, I got to meet him and then it basically just started from there. It was just like, oh, yeah, we have the show Girl Power uh, we have the cast and everything ready to go we just need to recast one character uh, we've got these scripts do you want to direct this and I was like
0: yeah and they're like okay, <laughs> did they uh, see some of the stuff that you've directed yeah
1: yeah no I pushed brother on them and I showed them strange thing and I, I showed them a bunch of stuff and then you know I guess at first um, you know they weren't sure that I had directed all of them they're like oh you directed that too and you directed that oh I thought you just maybe <laughs> helped out on, oh wow you directed all those oh I'm yeah. impressed okay okay Let's give you a shot. Let's give you a shot. So, like, Girl Power is, like, my big test to see if, um, you know, they want me to be doing, keep on doing this, basically. That for them. Girl
0: Power is a sitcom? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um, where did you find this editing job to begin with?
1: So, shout out to listener, friend of the show, previous guest, Jeffrey L. Moore or L. Jeffrey Moore. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um. Yeah, he recommended me. So, he knows the producer somehow. I can't remember exactly how, but they know each other. I think they met through like not film related stuff because I guess they both like some real, like the producer is also a real estate agent. And then Jeff does doing some other kind of work. I don't know if it was real estate or something else, but somehow they met. And then, you know, they was talking about, you know, oh, I do film stuff. Oh, I'm an actor, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know. Kenneth just reached out to Jeff, was like, hey, do you know any editors? And then Jeff was like, "Alric, you know? Okay. And so then I got in that way. So big thanks to to Jeff. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Okay, so the way that this (laughs) came about is, I'm going to break it down, is you saying yes to another project before with Jeff, that relationship leading to (laughs) a job editing, which is not your primary focus, but... You're not going to say no to film work. And then right. you hustling and saying and putting yourself out there and saying, hey, I know I'm editing here, but I also am interested in directing.
1: Right. Yeah, basically. And then I guess just, you know, them liking the, the editing work and then, you know, and that's just getting along. And yeah, I think that's kind of, the you know, how it went. And it's interesting because I met Jeff originally on an audition. So he auditioned for um, a project I was working on. Oh. And then... Um, Which one? For the Unnecessary Evil thing. Oh, yeah. Um, right. So then I casted him in that, and he was great. And we had a really fun time working on that. And then when it went all south, we were, like, so bummed. And we were like, we have to work together again on our own terms. And so that was why the, how the rage came about, you know? Um, but you
0: could have easily said no to the rage because I remember there was you were torn a little bit about whether or not to do it because you wanted to stop making short films and go right into it. Feature. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I think I just really wanted to, um, you know, that was
1: I think at the time, yeah, you're right. Like I was like, okay, this will be the last one, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and you're um, like, it's
0: only going to take me a month. I'm only right. going to take a I'm month. I'm just going to do it really
1: there. quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it took a year,
0: but um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So that's, that's awesome. It's <laughs> awesome to see how these things kind of came together. And so now right. you're you're in this place. You've directed what two episodes of yeah. that sitcom for them? Two
1: episodes of sitcom. And then if I wasn't going to Italy, I'd probably be directing um, another episode of another sitcom that they're shooting while I'm gone. Uh, so they're doing that. And then um, and I can't really talk about the show. They you know they don't want to give too much too much information out you know until things are released. But there's another show they're sure. making. And they've got like, you know, three other shows basically. Um, but they've got other directors that they're working with and stuff too. And I'm trying to bring other local directors into it too, because they want to, they want to work with local people and really bring up the community. So I've been, you know, passing over reels and passing over names to them. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how quickly that happens
0: where other people get
1: get into the same position I am.
0: Yeah. You know? So, do you feel like your directing career is starting to take off at all?
1: Well, I mean, it's interesting because it's like the most directing I've done um, since like I directed Cake, basically. Uh, at, as far as narrative stuff goes, you know, uh, and then. F- before cake, it was like the rage, like a year earlier. So, you know, it, it really, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really been directing much <laughs> at all. I've just been working on the, the alternate this whole time and staying yeah. focused on that. So now it's like, Oh, I, you know, I'm working with actors. I'm writing treatments. I'm, you know, I, I have a commercial that they're, they hired me to direct that I'm doing on Saturday. Nice. So I'm getting to bring in some of my favorite people to go make that commercial happen. Um, I mean, the rates are so low. I mean, they're low. They're like the lowest of the low. They're basically as low as you could get. And I mean, they don't, they don't want to be paying low rates forever, but I mean, that's where they're at. They're in a growth stage right now. So they're growing. And as they grow, they're going to be able to increase their budgets, but. You know, for me as a, as a director, it like doesn't really matter how low the rates are. It's like this is a chance for me to, right. you know, get a lot of experience, improve myself and um, just get out, um, you know, on set and
0: just get more experience um, directing. Yeah. You know, and you've always said that you you would rather take less money to direct than make a lot of money. <laughs> right. Like, say, producing.
1: Exactly. And so it's been it's been since this whole thing has happened I've been juggling like producing and trying to be more at, at, at Black Prime more you know so uh, I had like a job um, at uh, Oath which is like the you know the company that now owns Yahoo so I was at the Yahoo campus for um, a couple weeks um, during this whole thing you know and so I was like going on uh, weekends to edit at BLK <laughs> while working a nine to five, you know? Um, and now that that's over for now, it's like, okay, cool. Now I can, you know, down just really? at BLK yeah. every day, basically. And then I will shoot here, corporate shoot here, corporate shoot there kind of thing, which is great. Cause like the corporate shoots, you know, allow me to work for like, you know, not so much over at, at Black Prime. So, but uh it's exciting. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, just one day at a time, um there's a couple other projects that they're talking about me directing in August when I get back from um, Italy, you know, but uh you know you never know how these things go like schedules change, things um you know get get sent to the back burner and get sent to the the forefront all the time, you know, so I'm just gonna be there ready and you know hopefully I mean I don't want to jinx it, but I really hope brother happens soon and 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 it <laughs> happens because I mean geez that would be. It would be so great that to get to amazing. keep on telling that story and, you know, work with Desi and then maybe hopefully even Capone if we can get him out here, you know, and just, uh, you know, make
0: this thing happen. Yeah. Um, but, and then do they see. also make features? Is there a potential for you to direct features for them?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm not really like, they probably would be interested in looking at the alternate, you know, but, uh, they would want it to only be like a, Black Prime, um, you know, Black Prime exclusive. Right. And I think like with the amount of money that I'm raising and the the team I already have assembled, like I'm not sure. I don't think Jeff would be into it at all. he would be like, what? <laughs> we're going to give up all our chance to make any money. Yeah. Because what we're just going to, you know.
0: Could you talk to them into like making it a black prime production? And then if it gets distributed, it has their logo on it. So then it helps maybe draw some traffic to them. Maybe. I mean, because, you know, it's like Amazon studios makes stuff and, or right. helps distribute things. But I don't think that they're like the only, like that's not exclusive to Amazon. It's like no. a partnership with the distribution company.
1: That's true. Yeah. I mean, Sure. I mean, I would lo- I would love to. It's just, you know, there's so many things going on with them. It's like one at, at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to, like, overload them with stuff and be like, oh, yeah, and Yeah, but if you, oh, just, yeah, yeah, but if and, you and, get and to it's... that
0: point, maybe if they just throw in just a little money to help, like, get it over the hump and, and make well, it happen. That could they'd be. have to throw up a lot of money in order <laughs> in order to
1: take first position or to get their name above Jeff's production company's name. Oh, you know, uh, right. right. Uh, they'd have to throw in uh, more than... More than a third of the budget, and yeah. maybe even more than half the budget. That makes sense, you know. So, I don't know if they're they're really willing to to do that, you know. Um, yeah, maybe not now. Yeah, not now. Maybe later, but I don't know. I mean, I haven't really presented that movie to them because I know that they are going to want to own it, and I'm I'm not really in a position to to give that up, you know, because I'm not the only one vested in it, you know. Like I'm not the only one who has ownership yeah. of it, you know. It's, Time to it, write another movie right exactly which you know which is what's great about this is there's so much opportunity you know there's so they want so much content it's like there's a lot there's a lot of chances out there you know and like definitely if there's a project that they're doing that um feels like a Timothy Plain joint I'll definitely be recommending you for stuff too because awesome. yeah I mean it's all about finding the right project for the right director you know yeah, Um absolutely. and so if there's a sitcom that feels very Timothy Plain ish, like quirky and fun, you know, and just I can't like wait the, to right. see
0: what you think is is my jam. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know, but uh, yeah, I'll totally send send it your way. You know, I could
0: see myself making a film like Sorry to Bother You. Yeah. Did you see that this weekend? No. It was a play, is it,
1: did it play in San Francisco. I didn't open in Oakland. So yeah, that's why I it's see it.
0: um, it's at the Embarcadero right now. Okay. Did I'm so curious. I can't wait to talk to you about it. So after you see it, let me know. Yeah.
1: Did you like it?
0: Yeah, I did. I didn't love it, but I loved. <laughs> I loved that. And this will make more sense after you see it. It's like it reminds me of me around like uh, film school. When you don't have any limitations yet and you just kind of imagine like the craziest things and you're like really trying to push filmmaking Uh, as far as it can go and no one's telling you no yet. You know, and I and I don't know exactly how he got to the point where he's able to do some of the stuff that he did in that movie. But I know in my position, I, I would hear a lot of people being like, uh, maybe you should, you know, scale it back and think a little simpler and, you know, kind of limit some of the, the, the ideas and techniques you're trying to do here. He just went all out. He did so many crazy things that I think that you and I probably would have been a little bit more responsible. So it's really fun from that standpoint of like somebody who hasn't uh, hasn't lost their naiv naivity, naitivity, Nait- mm-hmm. naitivity yeah, about yeah. the about it yet. Right. Um so well, that's that's what makes it cool. I wonder
1: if it's because he's like a musician and, and an artist and you know, he yeah. has his own very unique style already and I wonder if like, you know, when he's going through these different programs and, you know, at, at the, you know, film society. And I think he went through the Sundance Labs with this project, too I, think so too, I believe. So I think through all these different stages, everyone's just encouraging him, you know, to be be creative, be nutty, you know, like and they're like, let the artist loose, you know, like be yourself. Like, you yeah. know, and so maybe that's that's why he was able to do that. And then, you know, just finding the right producer. Um, or producers to, to believe in him and, you know, let him just, you know, let loose and go nuts, you know? Yeah.
0: Cause it's almost like you take a brain like that and you pair him with really experienced people and you can come up with some really fun ways to like make movies that are different. But if you like take yeah. someone with a lot of experience, it might be like, "Oh, that's going to be really hard, or it's going to be, you know, really taxing on our budget." And I don't know, like, we could probably spend our money better elsewhere. <laughs> then you know, you know, being too responsible sometimes is not not the way to go either. So yeah, wow. I mean, it's a really unique film, and um, I I don't I I think it'll it'll be interesting to see how it like takes life out in the world because it's not as digestible as something like Get Out. Oh, uh, interesting.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't wait to see it. Um, you know, I love that it was shot like almost all in the East Bay. Yeah. With these like major actors, and you know, just, I think it's really awesome. And I and I just finished Atlanta season two. So Oh, um, so I'm so, so good. into Lakeith right now. Um, and I can't wait to see his performance in this movie. You know.
0: And if, he, if people haven't seen Atlanta, they should go watch that show. Oh, uh, Yeah, it's that's a so fantastic good. show. Yeah. So talk super about another well like
1: goofy, wacky show. Yeah. It's like.
0: That it kind of reminds me of Twin Peaks.
1: Yeah, exactly. Donald Glover just kind of went nuts, especially in the second season. He's just like, yeah, whatever crazy <laughs> idea I have. All right, here we go. We're doing yeah. it. Such an interesting, creative mind, you know, um, and I really appreciate that that show exists and that they just right, just do whatever they want, basically, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, yeah. So exciting things. I mean, and also the alternate is going well, too. I don't want to jinx it, but I think I I have one more investor locked in, um, which I don't know if I talked about that already or not. Um, But that's looking positive. And then I had another meeting last week that went really well. So so, yeah, things are going, man. It's going all going up, which is great, you know um that's
0: great and then so you're about to go on vacation
1: about to go on vacation gonna be in italy for for 12 weeks or 12 weeks 12, 12 days, weeks 12 days, <laughs> 12 days two weeks almost two weeks yeah um oh, amazing yeah so that should be fun and it, originally it was gonna be a shoot that we were doing there you know and then um sort of the budgeting for the shoot part of it fell through but we're still getting our expenses and stuff covered um and we're still gonna shoot a little bit just not as much as we were going to. So. You know, it'll be more vacation and less work, which I think, uh, you know, um, everyone is happy about for the most part. Um, Yeah. So that should be fun. Cool. Um, Yeah, man. So let's talk about this first topic here. You say asking for changes to a script. So I didn't even know that someone approached you to direct (laughs) a movie. Um, You got to tell that story first and then we can get into this topic.
0: Yeah, I don't know like how much I can say about this, but um, somebody sent me a a script through Our Making Movies is Hard podcast email, somebody who listens to the show, and they said, hey, will you take a look at the script? Just kind of like advice and kind of a side note, if you're interested in directing, let me know. And so I read the script, and I thought it was a really cool premise, and it did a lot of things that I really like in filmmaking. And, and the way he pitched it to me was he wanted to do kind of like a live-action Pixar movie. And so I read the script, and I said I really liked it, but the ending didn't quite work for me. Um, and so I said, give me some time to think about how to make it work a little better. And then I came back with some notes, and he sat with them for a while. And he, meanwhile, he was working with a producer that he was trying to get on board who sounded like sh- her career was taking off, and so he was hoping to like secure her. And then, um, then he came back to me with some like kind of rebuttals to my notes and said and and gave me a little bit more direction on where he wanted to head with the script and so then i took another like few weeks to think about how to address those notes and then came back to him with a new idea and the new idea kept the same characters but told it from a different point point of view so in the his original script it was uh, an older guy and a really young girl. And it was told from the older guy's character's perspective, but based on references he showed me and kind of where I thought he wanted to head with it, I said, let's switch the perspective and tell it from the little girl's story. Cause I think that'll be a little better emotional way into the story and give us a better ending. Cause it'll, it'll lead to some, a, a different place. than if we start with the guy and he got a little frustrated around that point because I guess he was getting notes from the producer too and he finally just said you know what at a certain point you know a movie can be always can be different but you have to just kind of commit sometimes to just making the movie that's in front of you so he kind of like planted his feet in the ground and said it's either this movie or no movie and right now it doesn't sound like anybody really wants to get on board with this movie so I give up just forget about it and so it just disappeared. And then <laughs> That's weird. It made me feel a little like, oh, man, did I push too hard? Was I like, <laughs> was I kind of out of line? Did I, was I asking for things that I shouldn't have act- asked as a director? Because I can under- understand as a writer, like you have uh, these other people that come in on your movie and then they want to change it. But I was, you know, also telling him, encouraging him, it's like, if you really see this strongly in a certain way, go make it yourself. Like don't hire a director and producer, just go make it. Because I feel like as a writer, you should you kind of have to be open to other people's opinions because that's what this this business is about is about collaborating and when you bring in a director, they have their own perspective and point of view, and if the material, especially at our level where it's like we're not working with the best people in the world, and we're kind of working with the people that we know so I think there's probably more changes happening at our level than there are at, like, maybe at a Hollywood level where you have a lot more choices of people to kind of, like, find who's, like, the right fit for the project. Right. So, I don't know. I wanted to talk to you about it and see what you thought. Because this is actually something that happens to me often where when I am given scripts, my instinct is to change it because... I don't think that the scripts are always kind of like at that level where they're ready just to be, to go out and shoot. Like this script was a first draft and he hadn't even figured out the ending yet. So I I knew that there was room for improvement. And in the past I've gotten scripts where, yeah, I see like a glimmer of something, but it's not quite like what I want to do as a filmmaker or the kind of, the structure of stories I want to tell. And so I figured I might as well ask questions and see how far I can push it. And then if, if they don't want to go in that direction, then it's not meant to be.
1: Right. Well, it's tough because obviously a writer has such a deep connection to the material. So they don't want to just make changes willy nilly. And I think as a writer myself, like, and people give changes, suggestions for changes and things like I'm uh, uh, often resistant to it uh, automatically, you know, (laughs) unless they have like, I think it's all about the explanation. Like you have to give a really good explanation for like why you want to change something and like have a really good reason for changing it. Like you can't just say, oh, I want to change it from this to that because I like it better. Like you have to say, I'm changing it to this to that because, you know, this way the story actually makes sense and has resonance where the way that you have it now, it, I'm getting confused by your mes- message and I'm not exactly understanding the point of your story and why I should care about these characters but if you you know change this to that then suddenly you know now there's emotional resonance and now I'm understanding what the point of the story is and I can make a connection from you know the beginning to middle to the end and like I can see the growth and the change and whatever it is yeah so
0: that's that's very much in line with kind of like the way that I was giving notes
1: so you were like giving a full explanation and like kind of drawing drawing, like, a conclusion of why it was to be changed that way. Yeah, and,
0: and it wasn't even, like, I was saying, this is the only way to do it, but I said, but this is, uh, I was like, this could be a really cool way to do it. How about this? Did you identify like,
1: the issue with
0: the current way of doing it, or did you just say this is a better way? I just said this, for me, this works a lot better for these and these right. reasons. Right, Like, imagine this, and I and I even wrote it out almost kind of like a beat sheet to be, like, so he could see it the way that I saw it. And said, here's like a cool way to do it. What do you think? Like this do, this hits all the things that we were talking about trying to do.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think at, at our level where you're probably not going to get paid to do this project or, you know. No, the, I would the, probably
0: be paying to do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: the budget <laughs> would be like, you know, probably pretty low if right. anything. Or you'd probably be involved in raising it it's like, yeah, you really need to be really passionate about something to get involved in it. I mean, to the other extent, like, you know, directing is directing. So if you want to get better at directing, part of it is taking someone else's ideas and telling a good story with their with their script or their their thoughts or their outline or whatever it is, you know, and and satisfying their needs as a creator while also telling a story that's important to you. So I think that's like a... Really important challenge as a filmmaker and a director to be able to like, you know, get outside of your own, your own storytelling um, style and, and bring to life someone else's, you know? So I think that's another Uh, aspect of it, which is sort of like different than the way that you went. It it would be more like, Mm -hmm. okay, well you don't like my idea. That's fine. Let's just do it. Let's do it the way that you, you have it now. Like I I think I can make
0: something cool uh, based off of this, this script. That's what he was hoping I would say. Right. I guess I have like so many like specific goals with what I'm trying to do and like where I see my next growth. I I definitely like have certain types of stories that I want to try telling and try to get closer and closer to like this ultimate story that I see in my head. And so for me, all these films that I make are like practice towards that end goal. And if I don't see it as like the next logical step in my journey, then I'm less interested in pursuing it.
1: Was he like not interested in making any changes to the script? Like he just wanted to make that first draft, the shooting script, or was it more like, you know, he was okay with making adjustments to the script, but it, it had to be that same general story.
0: I think he wanted to keep the same general structure, but wanted to make tweaks within each scene to make each scene kind of like shine. Okay. But he also admitted that the ending wasn't working. So I think he was just hoping to just kind of swap out the ending. But I, I kept explaining to him, you can't just add an ending to something to make it feel satisfying you have to start from the beginning so if the ending is this and this is what we we both agree is going to be the emotionally resonant ending then we have to start preparing for that from the beginning and right now the way the beginning works doesn't support that ending so um, let me think of some other ways to do it and then the way that I came up with that I got excited about was starting with a different perspective to get there right
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like um, that's the, to me, that's the right instinct as a, as a writer and as a filmmaker is to do it that way, you know, but I think it's interesting because, you know, if you, if you have like, you know, two thirds of a script and then you're trying to find the ending or the last scene or whatever, uh, I do think that there is potential to like discover a better new ending within the structure, the existing structure of a story you know, I don't think it's as easy necessarily or as, um, natural necessarily to do it that mm-hmm. way, but I do think there's potential to, to make that happen, you know? And I mean, but I think it's also totally fine and, and right that you're like, that you approached it the way you did because it's all about the excitement level, as you know, when, when you're doing a project. Like at our level, at basically any level, you have to be excited <laughs> about it. Because right. Because it's so hard. It's so much work. You're going to put in way more time than you're, you normally would if you were to be doing something at a higher level, you know, because usually you'd have way more people helping you. But um, at our level, even if you're getting paid, you're, you probably are going to be wearing... You know, multiple hats, you know, and it just takes up a lot of energy and a lot of time to do anything. So you have to be passionate about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I have like, I feel like there's two speeds when I read something. One speed is like, yeah, that's doable. We could do that. And then the other speed is like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Like, I can't wait to get my my hands into this and so whenever i'm looking at something i'm always looking for that second feeling because the first feeling doesn't really feel passionate and i see i see like you and also ed can get really passionate about just like the process of just making stuff but i i have like this the second speed that i have to get to in order to like feel like i'm ready to like jump into something so like i always encourage people whenever i read their scripts whether or not they're asking me to direct it or not to be like yeah, you could go out and make this and it could be a great exercise. But if you really want it to be like that next level, then you should push it here and here and here. And so I guess I'm I'm always trying to push it. And I don't know if that's always the right thing to do. Um, but that's just kind of where, where my head's at whenever I see that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. What I get really resistant to is when people uh, don't want to make any changes to things. When they have a script that, um, you know is not quite there yet and and whether or not they're willing to admit it or not, it's like if they're not willing to to do revisions and to to get the best story and work together um, to really improve the the work, then I'm immediately like turned off. and and whether I'm coming on as a director or a producer or whatever, it's like if, if someone's not willing to make this thing the best that it can possibly be, before we move forward, then I'm like not interested in, in being a part of that process. <laughs> you would have
0: to be Aaron Sorkin good in order. Right. To <laughs> in order to right. I mean, I person. just, cause
1: cause like that's my process. Like I'm, I'm rewriting like crazy on all my work to get it to the, the best, best, best thing it can possibly be. Like whether it's any of my shorts or um you know, my feature, whatever it is, like we did like seven drafts of the rage of the rage like you know <laughs> like a five <laughs> no minute dialogue. movie no dialogue <laughs> we, we, i wrote seven drafts of that with jeff you know and if you're not even willing to write two or one
0: it's just like it's just one draft it, yeah you know, i only so, ever saw one draft of that script i never like, even he never like followed up with the second draft
1: yeah it's like you know like i just i just doubt your uh I don't know. I just don't think that's a good way to to make art. Like I think it it takes revisions. It takes crafting to get there. Like it takes rewriting to make writing good. You know, like, I really yeah. believe that. Well, and, I mean, the uh, fact
0: that he was relying so much on me to come up with ideas, I felt like he thought that the director's job was to take something that was half-baked and like, make it fully baked. <laughs> right. Well,
1: I mean, and you, and it's funny, because like, you were doing that, and then they, they weren't, they were resistant to that process. Yeah, so it's I like, I mean, to. what do they want, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, but the other time it happened is, I, I, I talked about this, maybe in year one of the podcast, there was a feature Film script that I was talking to some writers right, about. Right. <laughs> and that one was just, I just didn't really love the story they were telling, but I like some of the elements of it. And I was seeing how far I could push it because I think theirs got into more of like this religious aspect of stuff. And I wanted to make it more maybe like supernatural um and take it out of the religion <laughs> part of it. Right, right. That maybe, you know, that was unfair of me to do because that's not the story they are trying to tell. But I guess I wanted to, like, keep it alive as long as possible.
1: Well, it's interesting because I feel like script changes are always a tricky thing. Like, like even going back to the sitcoms, you know, like, I got handed these two scripts. Um, and I, my first question was, like, oh, can we make changes? Because, like, this scene is a little weird to me. And this scene that I don't really understand, you know, whatever, this aspect of the scene, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the answer was, like, no, like, these are, these are approved. These are ready to shoot if you want to make small adjustments by all means but you know they weren't handing me the final draft documents they weren't handing me anything like that it was just like the PDFs of the scripts and then if i wanted to make changes i had to like write them in by hand on print out, printed <laughs> right. out copies you know yeah and that's um, much more we like did, what you'd you find know. as
0: a director for hire you're hired to do something yeah you do take what they give you and you make it the best it can be but when you're doing a passion project on the side i feel like that's a different thing because yeah right. like, so the same thing when i direct a commercial i'm not like can i rewrite your script for you guys I see right. some potential here. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, they give they give me a script that's gone through a lot of approvals before I even get my hands on it. But I can help. No, you still plus make it. your own.
1: Yeah, you plus it exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think some of the stuff that you've done did in some of the commercial projects that we worked on together, like your plussing was was more um, impactful than the changes I was allowed to make on these sitcoms. You know, like I was basically just you know reserved to dialogue, like minor dialogue changes. You know, which ended up being huge, I, in my opinion, in the, you know, if we had stuck with the original, it would have been like, and I think we could have done it more, you know, but we just, we only did it. We only did it where we absolutely had to, you know, Um, but hopefully moving forward with this directing thing, I'll get more input on script, you know, and more input on, on story, which I think is going to happen, you know, but, uh
0: but we'll see. Yeah. Um and then what's your advice for a writer like this guy that has a script, he really wants to make it the way that it is with just some minor tweaks. Well, Does Should he just keep searching for somebody to say yes or should he, I know you're, well, <laughs> you're probably saying rewrite it, but or should right. he just, if he really feels strongly about it, I told him just go direct it yourself. Well, I think that's good advice. I think go direct it yourself if you want to
1: keep it exactly the way it is. But I also think like... I really believe in like making the thing, the best version of it that it can be before sharing it with anybody. So if you have the story that is part of the way there and admittedly, it's not ready yet um that you wrote, like r- just keep on working on it make it better, get it better. Like come up with an ending that you like, like tighten it, everything up, make it polished, make it shine. And, and the chances of you finding somebody who's going to willing to partner with you on it are way higher. If it's like really n- nicely thought out and, you know, perfected. If it's just kind of like a half-baked thing that you're not even, you didn't polish or you didn't quite finish, it's like how you expect to get anybody <laughs> just to sign in and, and put that kind of time into your project, right. you know?
0: yeah, when people read it, they're not going to see the potential in it that you see. They're just going to see it for what it is.
1: Right, like you really need to make it the best, right? The best of your, of your ability. Like you have to make everything... The nice, the best looking, the most professional, the highest quality, because that's what people are going to respond to. They're going to respond to something that looks, you know, polished and ready to go, you know, and it's really hard to find creative partners. That's like the hardest thing in the world is to find someone who who you uh, gel with, who who you're ready to like, you know, um, work on something in a collaborative manner. So Mm, it might take like 10 directors before you find the right person to direct this project, you know? So I would be reaching out to more people rather than less people and just try to find somebody that you really, you know, that you like their ideas, that they like your ideas and that, you know, you guys get along and have a a chemistry together and that your, you know, goals are aligned around, around the, around the project basically.
0: Yeah. Right. You want to find somebody that when they say, Oh, you know what we could do? We could do this. And you're, instinct is yes and and not that you're resistant to it like you should be so excited by their idea that you have more ideas those are the people that i'm always looking for
1: and if you happen to raise the budget to make this thing on your own and have it ready to go that's gonna be even better (laughs) like if you have five thousand dollars and you think you can make this movie for five thousand dollars and you're looking for directors like you're gonna have a way easier time than if you say oh I have 500 bucks, but we need to raise, you know, another 4,500 in order to make this. Do you want to do this with me? It's like, you know, that's going to be really, really hard.
0: That's even more work for somebody.
1: Right. But if you're like, oh, I've got like the budget ready to go. It's a small budget, but we're ready to make this thing. Um, I'm ready to find a partner to make this with me
0: like you know I think a lot of directors would be like really interested in that challenge I mean that's true too because yeah Over My Dead Body came to me with money attached already and it was kind of like we're ready to to make this and I remember asking Zergog for script changes and some of them he'd be like yeah but some of them he'd be like nope I feel strongly about this (laughs) i would keep it it's like great (laughs) then I, I will shoot it that way and if I feel strongly another way I'll shoot it another way and we can evaluate in the edit
1: right yeah, that was kind of a really wonderful project that um, we got to be involved in. And I feel like, you know, at that time I was like, oh, wow, people are actually just looking to hire directors to make projects. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, And then I, I think that's the last time I, I've seen that happen. It's
0: very unusual,
1: right, <laughs> to not have a director attached to a project. Right, exactly. And then for, have a team of people who have money who are willing to, to find to find someone new to help bring their vision to life. Yeah. That doesn't happen often, you know. Um, So it was really cool that we had that opportunity, you know, to work on that thing. Um, But yeah, I don't know, man. I think uh, I think if you if you want to make something, make it, you know. So whoever this writer is, um, they should figure out a way to get it done um, or move on to something else. But don't just let sit there doing nothing, you know, like. You got to – it's not going to exist in the world unless you unless you do it. So right. either do it or come up
0: with something better and do yeah. that. If you, <laughs> you believe know? in it, push it forward. Yeah. You have to. You're the only one that can push it forward. No one else <laughs> right. is going to do it for
1: you. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to this next topic. So, oh. right. yeah, when do you stop being a filmmaker?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. so this is And this is a question our... for you because right. at the end of the Chris Ford interview, you said some really interesting things because I – I assume that you would look at someone like Chris who made one feature film, that's all he's ever done, and then he really hasn't done anything since then, and he doesn't really have a strong plan to put anything into place. He's just kind of writing and trying to figure out what his next project is. But you seem to think that that was a path and that 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 he is a filmmaker, and so I kind of wanted to talk more about it because I feel like I'm in a very similar place to Chris.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because he's a just it's a different type of filmmaker, you know, like he's different than somebody who's out there um, hustling to direct and like trying to make their living as a director. Like that's definitely like definitely he's not on the same path as that person. He's like a, a
0: Shane Carruth type.
1: Yeah, maybe. Or I, I mean, I don't really know enough <laughs> about Shane Carruth to know what if they're the same or not. But, uh, but in terms
0: of like Shane Carruth made a movie in like 2000, what? Five, 2005 four. and then not until like 2013 again it's right like eight eight to ten years in between projects right
1: yeah I don't know I mean I, I wonder like could you put Chris uh, in the box of a hobbyist filmmaker is that what you would say I mean is that is that too is that too far for him because he he has <laughs> you know made a film at a professional level right and gotten distribution yeah so i mean in one hand he is a professional filmmaker mm-hmm. but he's not making it his priority so does that make him a hobbyist i mean i feel like some people would probably say yes
0: some people would probably say no You know, and does does he continue to be a filmmaker for the rest of his life, whether or not he ever makes another film because he's made one film, right? I don't know. I think if he's working on the script, you know, and working on
1: scripts, to me, he's a filmmaker. I guess others would say he's just a writer, you know, um, until he makes his next movie or like he's made a film, but he's not really a filmmaker because he's not actively making films, you know, but he's actively writing. But to me. Because he, he, all that he's doing is towards, you know, making the next movie, you know. Um, and like, you know, even when we asked him about like, you know, what, what why are you going to sell your script? Why would you want an agent? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, because if you do that, then, you know, that would get you closer to being able to direct something because you'll have these agents, managers, whatever, which I don't necessarily think is true. Um, you know, I think if you sell a script as a writer and get an agent you're just on your, your, your path to being a writer, you know, and having an agent and doing writing, not necessarily getting any closer to being a director, you know, uh, in any way. I think you get closer to being a professional director by directing things, you know? Um, I don't know. That's, that seems to be <laughs> the way it works, it's just based off of the people I've met and people who I know who do have agents who are aspiring directors or are, are directors, right? Who, but, who are following that, you know, meeting path, it feels like you're in meeting land forever, you know? And, uh, (laughs) right. Like when do you get out of just taking meetings and actually get to direct stuff? It just seems like it takes a really, really long time and a lot of luck in order to, to be that person who Mm -hmm. gets that job, you know? Um, but if you just go out and direct stuff on your own, it's like you're in control of it. And like, that's something you can actually do. And then, you know, whether or not you're getting um, paid for it, you're you're a director, you're a filmmaker because you're actually practicing the art of it, you know? But on the other hand, I mean, I feel like, yeah, if you're in your room, um, in your house, like, you know, chipping away at this thing nights and weekends when you have time in between raising a family and in between having a full-time job, um, I feel like, yeah, you're still you're still practicing at the art of filmmaking. You're just doing it in a different way, you know, um, which I think is fine, which I think is great. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing it that way. Okay. You know, as long as like, you're not having the illusions of directing Marvel movies <laughs> by doing it that way, <laughs> right. which I don't
0: think he has, but there are people out there that probably do kind of hope that, that chipping away and, and working on something in, in the background, will eventually turn into them escaping from their job and getting that big <laughs> Marvel movie thing. Right. Which is the unrealistic thing. But right. uh, but I and, and I've been there. I've, been, I've definitely been that guy. But um yeah, I mean it's it's probably Chris's story is similar to a lot of filmmaker stories cuz not everyone does is in a place where they can pursue a career in directing. You meaning they can't do what you're doing, directing sitcoms or like what Matt and Oren are doing in L.A., directing commercial work, because either they're not in a market that can do it or they can't handle the financial burden of going after it. And so there are probably a lot of filmmakers like Chris that are just going to make a film and then try to figure out if there's another one they want to get into. Because before we got on the podcast, Chris was telling me too, that's like after you've climbed that mountain... You know what to expect the second time around. Like you know how cold it is, you know how long it takes to get up that mountain. So you're less apt to jump into it a second time around. Right.
1: I think it's all about focus and it's all about the energy you put into the project, you know, or your projects in general. Like you look at Christopher Nolan, like, you know, his story, I don't I don't know it that well, but I mean I heard his first movie, he made it on the weekends. You know, right. shooting in between like his date, his full time job, whatever it was. And then he just, you know, the following took him like, you know, a couple years to make um, just doing it in that way. And then like he finally got it out into the world. It, it did really well. And then that like that started his career and led to Memento, you know, but he didn't do it <laughs> by having it in the background. He did it as like that is everything that he's working towards, you know, in between his responsibilities as a as a person to like, you know, pay his rent and everything. So, like, he's probably coming home every night working on the movie and then, you know, getting ready for the the weekend shoot, doing the shoot. And, and like so it's all his focus or like Gareth Edwards, like, you know, making his first movies like it's his whole focus, you know, it's not like a, a side thing to them, you know. So if you're going to get to the highest level I think you have to make it your main focus and it has to be the thing that you're working on the majority of the time when you're not you're doing your paid work, you know, like it has to be right. your, your biggest focus if you want to get to those higher levels. Um, but, but I think it,
0: that only applies for most people when they have the project that they're ready to push forward. When you don't know what that project is, I think it's okay sometimes to take some time and, and think about what that's going to be. But once you know what it is and you're excited about it, you can't just treat it as a side hobby. You do have to kind of like put all your focus into it. And it has to be like you have to sacrifice your nights and your weekends for it and maybe even like just take a big chunk of vacation and go pursue it. I, I think like even when you don't have that project, like
1: you need to be actively working towards the craft one way or the other. That's like, where you know, I,
0: I disagree with you at this point in
1: my life well i mean do you, that you th- that well what do you mean that you disagree that that
0: there's no way you can you can there's there's times in your life where you just don't you can't actively pursue something like part of this podcast has been frustrating for me because i've had to come on and say what i've been working on sometimes uh, every single week and i don't know if i work that way now i don't know if that i can work that way if i have a project that i'm working on yeah I'm on it 100% but when I don't have something sometimes it takes me a while to find that project again and sometimes working means not doing anything at all and just like there's I I think I, I explained it to people as like there's an input phase and there's an output phase and sometimes you just have to like input a bunch of stuff before you can start outputting again You know, absorbing movies, absorbing music, absorbing books, and just kind of like getting inspiration before you can output. But I think sometimes you need to take a break from the output, unless you're just one of those people that wants to grind it away and, and, you know, put your energy towards a bunch of stuff, which is kind of what I see you doing. I just, I don't feel like that's right for me. I don't. I don't feel like I can just keep keep putting energy out in the world and just a bunch of different places, hoping that something's going to take off. I'd rather like find that one thing and focus all my energy on like one one single thing. And that one single thing, I don't always have that thing, you know. From from on a day to day, sometimes that happens for a few months. But something like the Spirit Machine, I focused on that for what four years of my life.
1: Right. Well, I think if you're passive, I, I don't. I don't know. Like. Maybe, maybe that's just not how it works for me, but it just feels like you should like if you like, I'm trying to remember back to before I had the alternate, like b- before I had strange thing when I was trying to find my project yeah. that I was going to, you know, put my what time into. Doing? I think I was working on scripts. Like I always had one script I was writing and struggling with, and then I would uh, finish a draft or something and then read it, send it to people not like it. And then I would like tool around with another idea. And then sometimes I would just write a draft of that idea and then same process. And then, you know, then I'd be like, Oh, this is stupid. Like all these ideas, like nothing's good. And then I would go back (laughs) to like an old idea I had. And then I would be like, okay, well, let me write the 18th draft of this old idea from like four years ago and see if I can find something that's meaningful to me now. You know, like I have this short film that I've, I've, I think I've written like, the you know with a a male protagonist a female protagonist um you know like you know at least 10 different ways that the story played out with different perspectives different characters different openings different endings different middles different uh vo no vo uh this side story not this side story you know and i kept on going going back to that project yeah just trying to see where the story was and eventually i just abandoned that project and then i think <laughs> yeah i think what had happened is i'd written like two or three scripts they none of them were were able i was able to get them done and then i went back to that script again was so frustrated by it and then that was when um strange thing the idea for strange thing came was like after like throwing like let's you know like turning off my computer like being like, gosh, this story is so stupid. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And then like laying down in bed and then like having that conversation with my wife that led to the writing of Strange Thing, you know? And then it was like, that was the spark that ignited that project. Um, so I kind of feel like since that pro- process years and years ago, I've had something I've been working on, you know, that's been the project. Like it was Strange Thing the Short, then it was Strange Thing the Feature. And then it was strange in the feature for like a year while I was doing the short and all that stuff. And then, you know, like trying to get the first draft or the strange thing, the feature done was what birthed the alternate. And then when the alternate was birthed, then it was. It's been the alternate ever since, you know. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I just can't even re- remember a world where I didn't have anything. So
0: you're a fan of big. beating your head against the wall until you just yeah, right. you, until something comes of it. And I and I feel like I I definitely do that at times. But I also have had times in my life where I haven't done anything for like maybe a year. That's like kind of been a, a cycle that I've seen in my life.
1: Yeah, I definitely took it. I took like eight months off of writing on the alternate when I was trying to raise money and and doing stuff the first round, you know, and then I came back to it and then I was able to work on another draft of it. So there definitely is time off. But during that time off, I was like working on other projects and other stories and other shorts and other things and trying to get other projects off the ground and making brother, you know, was probably somewhere in that, that process. And then making the rage was in that somewhere. So I, I just kind of feel like if you want to be doing this as your full time deal, like you need to be just doing it all the time. And if you're not, if, if it's like, don't, you don't want it to be your full time deal, then I feel like, okay, well, you know, take some time off, do for whatever, you know, like come back to it when you're ready. But I think if this is like the career for you, it's like, like, I, I feel like sometimes I haven't put as much energy and time into it as I need to. Yeah, like I don't I know if you ever do. Like, I should put more. Like, I should have been doing this much earlier. Like, I should have started this when I was 22. Like, I should have been pushing and pushing and pushing since whatever, you know? And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that you never really, um, put enough into it necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, I but I
0: know. 100% agree with you. If you want to make this a full time job, you have to put all your energy into it. But if you want to be more like, a Shane Cruz, I can't think of other filmmakers like him, but I'm, so I'm just going to use him for now. but somebody who makes a film who's only made two films and they span like, I think like 10 or 11 years between them. That's a career path too. It's just a very different one and he's completely off the grid. You don't see him doing studio movies. he's raising his own money to make his films. That's a totally acceptable path too. And that's why I thought it was interesting on the Chris Ford thing, which, you know, we don't know if he's going to ever make another film, but I thought it was interesting that you said, no, dude, you're a filmmaker and you, that's, that's a a success in, in, in and of itself, what you're doing now, you've made one film and you keep trying to write scripts to, you know, find the next one. And that was encouraging to me.
1: Yeah, and I think I, I stand by that, but I think it's different than saying that, you know, you want to uh, be a director as your main career, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it the,
1: is. There's different types of filmmakers. I think that's my point, too, is that you can be a filmmaker who, you know, does it on, on the side as, a, as more of a back burner type person. And, you know, whether or not that makes you a hobbyist, I think that's up to interpretation, you know, basically. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah. And then I think you can be the person who's like, this is all you care about. This is what you want to do for your career. And you're trying to make it happen any way you can, you know, and I think that's totally fine, too. That's another version of a filmmaker. Yep. So I think it's just like, you know, whatever you want to be, whatever you want to do, you know, go follow it however you can. But just be aware that, like, you know, if you are doing it the more Chris Ford way, Um, you know, you're probably not going to be directing a studio film, um, you know, (laughs) anytime soon. Right. And until you like, Shift your perspective. Yeah. And I guess the
0: last, the the thing, the main thing to say is this is a business where you get what you put into it. The more you put into it, the more it's going to come back to you. So if you're not putting anything into it, you can't expect things to come back to you. And it's like, look at Ulrich. Look at everything that Ulrich's done over the last three years. Go listen to all those episodes and the pitches he's done, going to AFM editing saying yes to producing people's films saying yes to directing things like you're you're a yes man like like that's not who i am and so oh, right. like that's right. it's, it's it for people who want this as a career all work is a model for that because that's what it looks like
1: right but i mean i'm not even there you know like maybe this is i'm a model for like someone who's just <laughs> trying and trying and trying and will never get there you never know you know seems like you will yeah, we'll see. Keep I mean, pushing. Yeah. But you look at someone like Boots, you know, who you know just directed Sorry to Bother You, it's like I think he was working on that movie for like five years or something like that. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, I don't know when he went through the Sundance Labs, but I don't think it was it wasn't it wasn't last year. It wasn't a mm-hmm. couple years ago. It was multiple years ago when he went through that process and had that success. And then it's like years and years later until he actually gets a chance to, to make the movie, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, but you have to also take into account his whole rap career. Right. No, you know? I mean, and to make that happen, right. I'm sure he had to hustle a lot. And he pushed oh, yeah. everything into that. Well, that was one of the... I, so George
1: Rush, my lawyer, is, is also one of the producers of that movie. And I was asking him about it. And I was like, well, how the heck did you get Tessa Thompson in the movie? And he's like, well... You know, the director's a musician, and so, you know, they're really interested in, in the project based on who he is, blah, blah, blah. So I know he definitely leveraged his his, his previous yeah, music career to, like, get this movie made with these people, you know, with this, <laughs> this amazing cast. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's it, he was basically saying, like, don't think that just anyone can <laughs> go out and <laughs> right. and have that that easy of a time to get someone like Tessa Thompson or, you know, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in your yeah. movie. No, I mean, a lot a first of ways time director <laughs> that movie
0: is so, is like get out where it's right. it's people who are have the, the different careers from the filmmaking thing that then jumped over to filmmaking to do that. And so with right. it, they, they bring clout to that yeah. project.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I gotta run. I gotta go to. I gotta get out of here. Okay. But, um, do you want me to do, do the outro? Uh, I can do it. Okay. Cool. Um, but yeah. And if you have one minute, is there anything you want to share right now, really quick? We haven't done this in a million t- years.
0: Oh, there's not. Do you have something? Yeah, well, I mean, we talked
1: about Atlanta, which was great, but um, also Glow. I just binge-watched the second season of Glow. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Um, You should, oh my gosh. I binged the watched the first season when it came out in a weekend, and then over the 4th of July, I binge-watched the second season. So it's totally great, fun show, super easy to watch, super awesome, great cast. Um, Everyone should check it out. It's really fun. Um, And you have nothing.
0: Uh, i'll say handmaid's tale i've been watching that and that that is so good it's way better than i thought it was going to be okay and it's not it's not a show that takes place in the past it takes place in the near future okay yeah so it's like a it's like kind of a utopian utopian Ah. dystopian dystopian Dystopian. future um that's very i guess timely we should say
1: nice all right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, we have no guests today, so you guys can follow us <laughs> like you always do, uh, hopefully. Um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can send an email to podcast at com. You can also visit our visit our website at com, where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. Or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook with the handle MMIH Podcasts. We also have an Indie Filmmakers group on Facebook, which you should join. Uh, There's lots of great conversations going on there. And finally, if you like the show, please tell your friends about it or leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. And yeah, guys, thanks for another awesome episode. Thank you. Talk to you next week.